On this week's episode, my guest is Milena Postolowski. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist with 13 years of experience and owner of Reconnected in downtown Safety Harbor. In this episode, we talk about why Milena became a counselor, who therapy is good for, and we dive into how psychedelic-assisted therapy is helping people overcome past traumas and move on with their lives. Do me a favor and hit the subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Let's jump right into it. So, Melina, welcome back to the show, or welcome to the show, uh, not back to the show. This is your first time on the, on the podcast. Uh, I'm excited to kind of chat with you and learn more about your your business and, and kind of your, your expertise. So, um, welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, why don't we start with um, you, why you became a counselor? Sure. Like, where, did, where did that journey start? Yeah, I think most people get into a healing profession because they've been healers most of their lives. Um, so thinking about being the moderator or the mediator in family of origin or being the caretaker of friends, I think it starts pretty early for all of us. Um, but really wanting to help people grow and heal and change, um, believing in the power of mental wellness. I think that was the initial catalyst that got me into counseling. Mm-hmm. And that's always been something that that you've, is this always been something that you've wanted to do or pictured yourself doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a psychology major in undergrad, went right to grad Crazy. school and I've been a counselor for 13 years. Crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I know you. a lot of people like myself, my wife is on the other, on, on your spectrum of mm-hmm. that, where it's like she knew like early on, like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know? So it's pretty cool to, to experience that. Um, so I guess let's talk about a little bit about your, your business and your practice, your sure. private practice now, Reconnected. Tell yeah. us a little bit about what you do there. Yeah. Um, so Reconnected is located in downtown Safety Harbor. So I'm one block from Main Street. I'm actually in the back of Mojo Massage. So we have a whole healing suite available to the public. Cool. Um, so she does massage, acupuncture, Reiki, sound bowls. And then I'm kind of in the back private space doing traditional talk therapy. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm qualified to see individuals, couples, and families. And so I have a mix in my client base. I would say the majority of my clients are currently couples. And then individuals that come to see me are usually coming to talk about relationship issues. So that's how people get in my door. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do traditional talk therapy. But in the last year, I've added psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. And I'm seeing a lot of clients benefit from that. So that's what I'm excited to continue to grow and expand in my practice now. Okay, cool. And we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit to like dive more into the psychedelic stuff because that's a a new piece but um how did you get into like families and, and couples and that sort of stuff? Has that always been the focus? Yeah. Well? Um, so when I went to grad school, you could choose different tracks and I just gravitated yeah. towards the couple and family track. So some people like more of the diagnosis mental health component. Yeah. Um, some people liked more of the school counseling. And I think for me, I know how much we're affected either positively or negatively by the relationships we have in our life. And so I've always been drawn to that. Um, There are a lot of therapists who don't like working with couples because it can be a lot of energy in the room and a lot going on. Mm -hmm. But I actually really appreciate how multidimensional it is. Or oftentimes, sometimes individual clients can be challenging for me because it's like, well, gosh, if your partner were here, we could just ask them what they think about that (laughs) or what they meant when they said that and that sort of thing. Um, So I actually like all of the moving parts and the different parts of the system in the room. And I think it's just a different way at getting at things that you might not be able to if it's just the individual kind of with their siloed perspective. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh when when you're when someone is looking for a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um 
like what are some some things to kind of look for like do do people come to you and and i guess kind of like interview you to make sure that you're a good fit for them and, sure. and vice versa how does that work yeah um some people like to do a consultation call ahead of time to get a good feel and that's fine i'm happy to do that other people are just ready to jump in or they read mm. my bio or something about you know my website vibed with them and they'll find me that way as well sure. yeah um, but yeah i think in general most people find me because they want to work on relationship oh. issues and then through that we might start going deeper and realize, okay, there is some trauma to process here or some other things going on. Um, But in general, I'm kind of the relationship person. And then we figure out what's behind that, what's Mm. causing those concerns, those issues, that sort of thing. Is there typically always something beyond just the relationship, like something deeper that's going on with Mm -hmm. each individual person? Oftentimes, yes. Um, So if we're leaning into Western medicine, the most common diagnosis my clients have is complex PTSD, um, which is more relational PTSD. So if you think about people growing up in a dysfunctional household, maybe they've Mm -hmm. experienced physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional neglect, that sort of thing. Um, There's definitely a correlation between that and people having issues in relationships later in life. Mm. Um, So you don't have to have complex trauma in order to have concerns in relationships. But oftentimes, the more trauma there is, the more difficult it's going to be to have healthy relationships later Mm. in life. Mm -hmm. So there's that correlation, but not um, the necessity there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess uh, what, what I want to ask here is like who who should seek therapy, right? Like at what point do you say or or do you think everyone should be in have some sort of therapy or a therapist sure. to to refer to that sort of thing? Yeah. I think therapy is great for just about anybody, um, myself included. I go to therapy on a regular basis. I think that's really important. Um, Oftentimes, I find that people come to therapy a little too late. Um, So the relationship, for example, has been on the rocks for years and therapy ends up being the, the final can we fix it sort of thing. And we realize, well, gosh, if you had just come in a year or two earlier when things were starting to feel off, we might have a much different result or it might be a lot easier to put the pieces back together. Um, So I think my encouragement would be if you're not sure, but maybe you feel like you need additional support, that's probably the time rather than let me wait until like I'm totally dysregulated or my relationship is totally on the rocks and then we need to fix it real quick Um, because it's a lot of work for both the client and the therapist and you you want to be able to get that repair in if you can um, before it's too late. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you seen a trend in people being more accepting, more open to therapy versus, you know, since when you first started? Um, Absolutely. I think it's generational as well. So um, our generation is a lot more open to mental wellness and and there is shame that's moving away from getting mental health treatment. I think older generations, it's been a lot more quiet behind closed doors. Something's absolutely wrong with you if you go to therapy. Whereas I think more and more people are just realizing it's another outlet for support. It's different than talking to a family member or a friend, which family and friends are great, but maybe not the best resource for an objective standpoint or an unbiased opinion on what's going on in your life or your relationship, that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause they may have like family and friends may have their own struggles and battles and stuff right. that they're dealing with too. Right. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people come from families that aren't the safest place to talk about emotions, mm-hmm. or maybe that's where some of the trauma came from. And so those aren't going to be the people to process that with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, you, you mentioned something in your in, in one of the questions I asked you before coming on the show about confidence, right? Like early on, like mm. building building your business. And I think um I myself is something like confidence has, has been a challenge. I think there's a lot of other people that that you know struggle with that. 
as well. So my question is, how do you build confidence? How did you build confidence? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, a lot of it, it has been moving away from perfectionism. Um, yeah. So that when I was younger, I was very, um, this is what it means to be a professional. Here are my rigid boundaries. I can't um, speak unless I know exactly all the bullet points I'm going to say and that sort of thing. Um, and just learning to meet myself with grace and compassion and realize I don't have to be perfect to still be good at this. And I deserve mm. a seat at the table, um, regardless of age or um, experience in one particular area or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that a lot of trial and error? Like, how did you, how did you, how was that journey to get to that point? Sure. I would say trial and error. Um, and I also think working on my own healing as well. So, wherever my um, negative internal critic came from, kind of combating that through my own therapy, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a process over time. I don't know if there was a definitive line in the sand. And I also think it comes with age and experience. You know, who I was yeah, right out of grad right. school is different than who I am now, you know, 13 years into a counseling career. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think for me, it's it's just been, it's kind of like that, that same thing, like getting over, like nothing has to be, not everything is going to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? Just doing it, showing up. And, and I think you build confidence in showing up and trying things and you know, failing, learning that it's okay to fail. Yeah. Right. And then you can get back and, and keep doing what you were doing. Yeah. I think the other thing I would add to is authenticity. Um, so kind of moving away from that performative, I have to show up as what I think other people are expecting yeah. and realizing, especially in counseling, but I think in your profession as well, people like people that they like. Um, yeah. And so it's, we either vibe and relate to each other or we don't. And if we don't, that's okay. Maybe I'm just not the right clinician for you. Mm-hmm. So moving away from, I have to be the best for everybody and more into the clients that are right for me will find me. Um, and it's nothing personal if it's not the right fit, um, mm-hmm. as is true for a lot of business interactions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a great space to be at as, as a business owner. If yeah. you can like be comfortable with that and confident in like, uh, I'll find my right people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It makes it more fun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about um, some of the psychedelic stuff. And, and you mentioned like neuroplasticity as well. Yeah. I guess like when did... Um, I guess like at the beginning of psychedelics, like when did they become uh, start to become studied and like where are they at now in that in that process? Yeah, um, it's been on and off and that's been a lot to do with politics and regulation. Um, But they started to do a lot of clinical exploration of psychedelics back in the 70s and things were halted. Um, But ketamine, which is what we'll get into today, has been used for decades now as an anesthetic in hospitals. What they were finding is people would come out of anesthesia having these mental health breakthroughs or these really emotional reactions. um, And that led to the curiosity of if we use ketamine at a smaller dose, can it be used for mental health treatment? And the answer is yes. Um, So ketamine has been around for a long time, just being used for something different. All of the psychedelics have been around a long time, but being used behind closed doors, not in a clinical setting. Um, And so it's only really right now that the movement is going forward as far as all this being brought to the public in clinical settings, through clinical trials, a lot of research, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does it it help with the breakthrough? Because you you mentioned before, like it's not just the the drug itself that is going to help that individual 
um, it's a combination of like therapy plus, yeah. plus the drugs. Yeah. Well, if you think about a typical psychotropic medication, so like an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication, that's solely for symptom management. So you're getting a pill to help with a symptom that's been negative in your life or averse, and you get on with your day, go about your business. Mm-hmm. Great, right? Um, but in that instance, that's more of a Band-Aid rather than truly getting at the root cause of an issue. With psychedelics, and they all work a little bit different, so we we can have a whole talk on the mechanisms of action, but we won't get into that today. But all of the psychedelics help with neuroplasticity, which is basically regrowing or rewiring your brain. Um, So if you think about when we're younger, we're learning so much at such a rapid rate, our brains are firing very quickly, right? We're absorbing a lot. As we get older, just naturally that goes away, and the more stress and more trauma we experience, the more rigid our thinking becomes, so our dendrites actually shrink, and we're not able to think differently, view things differently, experience the world differently. So if you're thinking about somebody with trauma who's had a lot of experiences that have led them to realize the world's not a safe place, people aren't safe, um, you get to this place where you're unable to see anything different. So you're looking for the lack of safety in all interactions, whether or not it's actually there. Mm -hmm. Um, With the help of a psychedelic that helps with the neuroplasticity, that helps with growing the brain, you're able to start to view things differently. Um, A lot of the psychedelics help you process trauma in a way that's not overwhelming. So oftentimes if people try to talk about something traumatizing in in a talk therapy session, our bodies shut down. So we've got our fight or flight. Um, It's Mm. too scary to think about, too scary to talk about. So we're just not able to talk about it. With the psychedelics, you're able to experience it, experience the feeling without being overwhelmed by it. So it almost opens the door to a conversation that we wouldn't be able to have without the assistance of the medication. Yeah. Um, so it helps with getting at the root cause, literally helping grow the brain um, and get it to a more robust place that's pre-trauma, pre-all the stress that you've experienced in adulthood. And then with the use of a clinician doing talk therapy both before and after a session, you're able to integrate that content, use it for something therapeutic. Otherwise, you just go in, you have this aha, and you're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do with that. Um, But you have a trusted clinician to say like, hey, that actually maybe has something to do with your mother. So (laughs) how does does the drug like affect the the neuroplasticity of the brain? Mm -hmm. And um, is our brain, our brain is like, I I don't know how to, the correct way to say this, but it's, it's, it's able to grow like throughout our life, right? Like yeah. it's not just like, I, I remember like, I, I think growing up, like the traditional thought was like, you know, 18, 21 or whatever, like your brain kind of stops growing. Um, you can't learn new habits or anything like that, but, sure. but that's not the case, correct? What's up, Palm Harbor? It's your host, Donnie Hathaway. If you were looking to stay up to date with all things Palm Harbor, then visit my website. It's palmharborlocal.com. Super simple. You can sign up there, join the locals, where I'll be sharing more information on local events, local history, and what's happening in Palm Harbor. You know, I really want to create and add more value to you as a listener for spending your valuable time tuning into my podcast. So join me there, keep listening, and remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor local. Yeah. Um, and I'll, so I'll give the disclaimer that I can give a, a moderate explanation. Sure. Um, and we would need the psychiatrist that I work with here to give the full brain based explanation, sure. right? Um, but with, so MDMA and psilocybin are two psychedelics that work with serotonin receptors. So making serotonin more available in the brain. And so that helps with mood, that helps with sleep, um, that helps with, um, 
processing, that sort of thing. Okay. Ketamine is a little different in that it it works with glutamate receptors and so making other things more available in the brain. Um, but that's my kind of basic level. Mm-hmm. I'm a master's level clinician and that's what I can tell you yeah. about what happens in the brain. Sure. Um, but there's a lot of research, a lot of cool brain scans that they do that you could watch where you see new neurons growing and firing that's and all crazy. of that. Um, so there's plenty of information out on the internet for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty, pretty crazy that, that, um, yeah, that, that can happen. So what is the, the, the process for someone who's going in for like psychedelic assisted therapy? What is, what is yeah. that like? Yeah. Um, so it's best to have an established clinician before you choose to go down that path. Yep. Um, so it's not like I meet people on day one and I'm like, okay, session two, we're going to do is, ketamine. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's a lead up to it. Um, so it's a get to know you get to know your history, get to know what's going on for you and what you need to do in the therapeutic process. Um, and I think what's, if people want a really rigid answer, they're going to struggle in the area of psychedelics because it's not always a perfect number of sessions. Um, we can standardize and that's fine, but I'm learning, especially with my trauma clients, sometimes it takes a little bit more time to feel comfortable and safe with somebody before you're ready to do something like that um, because being in a non-ordinary state can be vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Um, so oftentimes I introduce ketamine to current clients as an option. If they've hit a wall or a plateau, they're feeling stuck in session. It feels like we're not able to break through something or process something. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe they've told me they're not interested in psychotropic medication or their antidepressants aren't really working and they don't know what other options are. Um, so for me, it's, already established clients wanting something different or something more, and then we decide it's time to introduce something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also doing a retreat this fall, or, or I'm sorry, this spring, where it will be a little bit different. So there will be one session beforehand and one afterwards for people who want to participate in the retreat. So that's a different way of doing it. Uh, but right now, if we're talking just traditional therapy clients, it's people I'm already working with, and we all decide together that it's time to get started. Yeah. Yeah. So th- so you have, t- I guess, kind of two options. Right, you can right. do like this retreat, mm-hmm. and it's and it could be something that is not in therapy uh, that goes to the retreat, yeah, and they just want to experience this or whatever it is, yeah. But you're still getting support from a clinician right. before and afterwards, yeah. um, which is a little different than I know. There's a lot of infusion clinics that are starting to introduce ketamine, okay. um, which is you're you're still getting the molecular benefit, so it's not nothing. But without the clinical support, you're just going in getting the molecular benefit that will wear off after time, but you haven't done any more of that deep dive work with the neuroplasticity that we're talking about. So that's why it's it's ideal or really important to have a clinician before and after, and it's an ongoing relationship, not Mm -hmm. just this one-off experience. Mm How did you um, how did you come across uh, psychedelics? And then um, like what kind of changed your approach to it or or if it changed if something you've always been interested, how did how did did that work for you? Um, So it was actually last year, I got an email about a continuing education retreat in Costa Rica. Um, The topic was psychedelics and psychotherapy. And at the time, I didn't know a ton about it. So I was like, I'm not sure, but it was Costa Rica and I definitely needed a vacation. (laughs) So I was like, well, (laughs) right. Worst case scenario, I go, I get my continuing education certificate and I've been in Costa Rica for a week. Nothing wrong with that, Right. right? Um, but I go to this retreat and I'm sitting through the lectures and I'm hearing about all of these clients who are completely rid of PTSD as a result of their MDMA treatment or completely rid of depression as a result of their ketamine treatment. And it was really awe-inspiring and eye-opening. You don't hear that often. So yeah, I'm on my antidepressant. I'm just managing it. Or I have PTSD. Mm. I'm just managing Mm. it. That sort of thing. 
Um, but we're seeing people with with full eradication of the diagnosis. Um, so obviously, I was intrigued. And then while I was in Costa Rica, I was able to participate in my own medicine healing ceremony as well. And so that was run by a local shaman and an LMHC from Florida. Um, And that was definitely one of the most profound personal experiences I've ever had. And I also noticed how much it um, kickstarted my healing process after returning as well. Mm -hmm. So last year I was working through some of my own complex grief. I was going to talk therapy, but we weren't really getting anywhere or we weren't getting anywhere quickly. And after I came back from Costa Rica, having had the medicine ceremony, um, my therapist and I both kind of laughed and agreed. It was the first time we really were able to have a full conversation about what was going on for me, Um, just because I was making connections that I hadn't made before. I was feeling safer with her um, because my anxiety had gone down as Mm -hmm. a result of it. So it was the professional introduction and then my own personal experience. I came back and I said, oh my gosh, I have to get involved in this. Um, And then shortly thereafter, it was just a dominant no effect. Um, so if anyone's ever had serendipity in their life, just things that feel way too easy for it to not be the next thing. Um, so I met this psychiatrist who is opening a ketamine clinic um, right down the street from my office. She invited me to do a, a private training on ketamine specifically. Um, so I've been partnering with her now for the last year, bringing my clients to her for the medicine, and then they'll come back to my office for the talk therapy piece. Okay. Um, so that was the beginning of it, and it's definitely just snowballed since then. Yeah. Is it traditionally just like one psychedelic therapy and then and then that's that's it? Or do they need like multiple uh, different rounds yeah, of that? It depends on the client and the severity of the diagnosis. Um, for more typical functioning people, you can get a lot out of one session and be good for sure. a while or it can be a one and done. So I had this transpersonal experience. I addressed grief and loss surrounding the death of my grandmother and I'm good otherwise, mm-hmm. right? I'm mm-hmm. functioning. Um, I've got other folks, maybe if you think more like major depression, so not being able to get out of bed, go to work, that sort of thing, that does require recurring treatments oftentimes, Mm -hmm. um, and it might be person-specific. So some people can go a month and be good. Um, I have one client who's going every three weeks because they just really need to. That's what's keeping them from not being suicidal and being able to go to work and that sort of thing. Um, So again, it really depends on is this more of an adjustment thing or kind of a, a, a kickstart to healing without a lot of significant symptoms present day, or is this someone who's struggling a lot more and needs some more support? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. What about the the future of psychedelics? Like, where do you, where do you see that going? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll give a real-time thing related to me and then more of a yeah. exciting update. Um, so I am doing my first retreat in February, so first weekend in February. So myself and a co-therapist will be running it. So there's six slots. It's for a small group. Um, it's intimate for a reason. So we'll be doing two days of in-person. So you'll meet with either myself or my co-therapist beforehand for kind of an intention-setting and preparation session. The first day in person, we'll be doing a group introduction, everyone getting to know each other. We'll do sound bowls to get everybody grounded before Mm -hmm. treatment, and then everyone will be having a transformational ketamine journey. Um, You'll go home that night, rest, relax, recoup, and then the next day we're going to do yoga, meditation, more of a group discussion around what everybody's experience was, and then you'll have a private individual session with one of us as well. Um, So that's upcoming in a couple months, which is exciting, Um, but more large-scale 
we're looking at the FDA to approve MDMA for the treatment of PTSD next year. So that's coming to market soon. I don't know when, or I can't guarantee that it is, but it's looking that way. Um, and I've actually already completed the training for that. Um, so I'm one of three clinicians in the entirety of Pinellas County that's gone through that training. Um, so just being ready to be one of the first people out of the gate to offer that service, hopefully sometime next year. And that's, and that's, like you said before, that's similar to um, ketamine, but just a different um, pathway of how it he- helps the yeah, brain. Yeah, similar but different. Yeah. Um, so ketamine, so ketamine is a dissociative, so you almost lean out of yourself more. So you're able to observe your emotions and reactions without getting absorbed by them, okay. if you will. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's a very quick treatment. So with ketamine, most people are under um, or in a non-ordinary state for about 45 minutes. Oh, that's wow. not exact. Okay. Um, but if I th- And I think that's what's so helpful about ketamine in a clinical setting. You're in and out and yeah. you, can, you can't drive home, but you can go home and have a relatively normal evening for the rest of the night. Okay. Um, MDMA is a full eight-hour session. So you're with the medicine for an extended period of time. Um, MDMA almost allows you to lean in. So it's maybe the opposite of ketamine, but you feel your feelings as big as you can feel them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also a way so people are able to talk about the trauma, experience those feelings without getting flooded by them um, in the way that they might not be able to in a traditional talk therapy session. Um, And it's a very different experience with it. So the model right now is a co-therapy model. You have two clinicians in the room, so it's very intimate. It's very extensive. Um, but, you know, you see people with PTSD in therapy for years or just on medication, and it's not getting rid of anything. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a really intensive treatment, but the idea is you do it and then you're done. So, wow. um, yeah, so they're similar. They're both psychedelics. Um, they both allow you to experience the emotion without getting flooded by it, but they do work differently. And one is a very quick model and the other one is a lot more extensive, intimate. Um, but again, they have different benefits for different clients for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see this becoming more, I guess, like once the FDA approves uh, MDA, right? Like that'll, yeah. that'll It'll change the landscape of it, but do you see it becoming more, um, more accepted and more used in in clinical settings? Absolutely, yeah. And I I think with the FDA backing it, yeah. it's that's going to have a huge effect on things. But already, even when I talk about ketamine, there's this normalized understanding of it for a lot of people. So some people are still learning what it is, but I'm noticing more clients are like, oh yeah, I've heard about that, or I have a friend who's doing that, that sort of thing. Um, so I, again, I think people are picking up on this. It's becoming more popular. Um, so my hope is that that takes the shame out of utilizing these medicines in controlled, supervised settings with mm-hmm. a clinician, mm-hmm. um, because you can really get a lot of benefit out of it if it's done right. Yeah. yeah. And the research is there, right? Like mm-hmm. we've been researching it for you yeah. know, a, a long time now. Yep. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So how can people, um, if they're interested in your retreat, um, or interested in learning more about you, uh, where can they find you? And- yeah, yeah. Um, so my website is reconnectedllc.com. Uh, my phone number and email address are both listed on there, but there's also a flyer for the retreat that's on the back page as well. So anyone can contact me directly. Um, and also through my website, you can just go in and make a, your first appointment. So if you don't even want to talk, you know you want to meet and start yeah. the process, you can just jump on my calendar easily through there as well. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Melina. Thanks for being here. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. 